I believe everyone has a story to share. I'm on a journey to discover the magic inside each person's story. Each week, I will introduce you to guests where I will dig deep and uncover the beautiful miracles from life and experiences to inspire and encourage you to live life to the fullest. My goal is to give each guest a platform to share their lives with the world in hopes that someone will be inspired to take action and live life with passion and purpose. Welcome to the Uncover Your Magic podcast with me, Ashley Donner. Are you ready? Here we go. Welcome back to Uncover Your Magic. Today, I get to introduce you to a person I would describe as an angel. There aren't many people in my life I can call that, but this woman, even though our interview will be our first conversation and meeting, she is someone who will inspire you to live your life in your heart, without judgment and from a place of pure love and joy. She is also a guide to helping you find your passion and purpose by listening to your heart. We will dive deep into Mindy's core beliefs and her journey that has gotten her to today. Before we get started, let me give you a little bit of her background. Mindy Kinnis is an entrepreneur, professional coach, writer, speaker, and award-winning humanitarian. Mindy is CEO and founder of Lucra, a coaching firm devoted to helping entrepreneurs create wealth in all areas of life. She is the creator of the annual Heart Path Retreat, along with multiple online training programs for entrepreneurs, coaches, and speakers. Mindy was the recipient of the prestigious Global Health Fellowship based on her work with women and children in developing countries. She lived in East Africa and worked on HIV and AIDS prevention initiatives. She is the host of the Lucrative Society, a podcast which debuted in the top 20 entrepreneurship podcasts on iTunes. Mindy is the author of the best-selling book, The Heart of Consciousness. So without further ado, please welcome Mindy Kinnis to the show. My goodness, I feel like I have to step that down a little bit. Anybody who knows me in real life would say I am not an angel. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, funny. Well, you do. You're like this little angel. And I feel like your story that I've learned by researching and listening and all these things about you, you are like this bright light. And when I see somebody that has this heart that really talks about hearts. And I can't wait to get into that. And the meaning of the heart and all that, the book that you wrote, you just have this heart and it's like this angelic heart of pure love and someone that lights the earth and you're here for a reason. And you teach people to live just with like this, no, like everything you were all here for a reason. And I feel like your story is beautiful. And I would love for you to begin when you Kind of the, with the uncover your magic when you started to like, whoa, this is really not my life or how you grew up. And then it kind of pivoted and all that kind of stuff. Sure. Yeah. It's a great starting point And thank you. So I kind of did the normal thing in the U.S. I grew up in Chicago and had pretty decent childhood. Did the standard, you know, go to a four-year college, get a degree, get a good job after that 
So I ended up working in a Fortune 100 company. And I knew right away going into it that it wasn't going to be my, my long-term thing. I thought, I just need to pay back my student loans, get some experience, and then, you know, then I'll figure out what to do. I was always future pacing it. I'll, I'll figure this out in the future. So I thought I'd be there a couple of years. And then seven years later, when I was still there, I was getting really frustrated. And I would say that that shift from me where I began to explore the, the magic that I could create in my own life was really that sense of frustration. It was a sense of unfulfillment. And I just didn't feel like I was having a direct impact in the world, really, or, or with anybody that I could really sense, that I really could get a hold of. Indirectly, the work that we were doing was helping people, but it was on such a grand scale that I felt very disconnected from it. So I wanted something that was going to be a more powerful and direct impact where I could use the things that I thought I might be pretty good at. And my experience in corporate America is that they weren't that interested in what everyone was good at. You kind of showed up to fill a specific role and you either did that or you didn't do that, but they weren't, at least this company wasn't all that interested in innovation and new ideas and people that could really take something and run with it, which I felt like I could do. So it was at that time, this was in 2006, 2007 was when I was in Africa, as you mentioned. And what was awesome about that experience for me was I got the opportunity to step back from day-to-day -day normal reality. I mean, you know, Ashley, like we all get into these ruts of like, right. this is my life. I guess yep. that's just how it is. <laughs> yep. But when you move across the world... And everything is different. You really, well, at least I was able to say, wow, is that what I want to go back to? Mm -hmm. Is that what I see myself doing for ever, you know, for the duration of my career? The answer was clearly no. So then the next question is, okay, well, what is it going to be? What do I want to do? And I did a lot of work, a lot of introspection, a lot of journaling, a lot of different activities to figure that out. And what it turned out to be for me was being a coach. So that was kind of the impetus of the whole beginning back in 2006. But, you know, back then in 2006, I was in the middle of having babies at that time. So I was probably oblivious to everything. But I don't, you know, as coaching, like now I feel like, you know, it's kind of emerged. Like I feel like even the word coach kind of started around maybe then. You know, I don't know. I feel like it's kind of that, it was kind of new. What made you think, oh, I want to be a coach? Yeah, that's a great question. And I'm actually so grateful. I've talked about this before. I'm so grateful that there was a thing called coaching. I was familiar with it a little bit just because I've always been involved with both spiritual studies and exploration and personal development, all of those kinds of things. So I was aware of this coaching concept but I just remember thinking, oh my gosh, I'm so happy that that is a thing that people mm. can do because otherwise I probably would have diverted more to the path of becoming a therapist or a counselor or something along those lines. And to my point earlier about not being an angel, I would have made the worst <laughs> therapist ever. Oh, it is so not, not my way of being because my, my, I mean, I'm kind of known in my groups for having tough love. And that's not always great in a therapeutic 
sense right. when you just go and somebody's like, come on, snap out of it. Let's go. Like you've got things to do. Like that's way more my MO. So I thought, wow, coaching sounds great because it's future paced. It's like, what do we want to create? Let's not dwell in the muck of all of our insecurities and fears. And yes, let's learn about how to navigate through those, but not get stuck in, right. in that, you know, in that pattern. So that's, I don't know who I found first, but like, I knew it was a thing and I thought, I think I can do that thing. And that's, hmm. that's where it began. But you know, were you with your friends, someone that they'd always ask, would they call Mindy and say, Mindy, will you help me with this? Was that just a natural part of you? That was exactly why I went into this. And it wasn't just friends. The weirdest part for me was I'm a pretty private person. I'm a huge introvert. So I spend a lot of time alone and I actually enjoy that. Like it's not a negative thing to me, right? but I would have these people all the time, even people that I didn't know or didn't know well, they would come up and they would say something like, can I share something with you? Or can I tell you something? And then either in a hallway or in a bathroom or wherever we were, they would be in tears and they would say things like, oh my gosh, like that just shifted it for me or that just changed my life. Or I'm like, what? Like, I just talked to you for two seconds in a hallway. (laughs) See, I love that. That's Yeah, I mean, so that's, I was just following that and saying, what do I already do or what am I already good at? That was part of figuring out what that path was. I love that. Okay, so you're in Africa. You have the light bulb hits you. This is what I want to do. Now you're going back to Chicago or where? Uh, I was in Michigan. Michigan. So still Midwest. And here's what's crazy. So I decide before leaving Kenya, I'm like, okay, I know I cannot go back and just have no plan. I want a plan. So my plan is I am going to give myself a year from when I get back, which would have been February of 2007 to start a business I also wanted to go to grad school for writing. So I'm like, I'm going to apply to grad school. Don't know if I'll get in, but why not try it? So those were the two things that I wanted to do. And I said, within a year, I'm going to resign from my position at this company and just figure it out. And here's the crazy part. Talk about magic. This is where the magic shows up. When you get crystal clear, and this I believe happens for anybody or could happen for anybody, is that clarity goes out into the universe And then the universe shows up and is like, here you go. So two days before I left from Nairobi, I was leaving on a Wednesday to fly home to Michigan. And my company makes this big announcement on Monday. They're like, oh, all this rumbling, all this, you know, what's happening? What's happening? Well, what happened was they had decided to close the site that I worked at in Michigan. Mm -hmm. And oh, by the way, you'll have about a year to wow. right? oh my <laughs> to God. transfer your projects or clean up or whatever you need to do. You'll have a year. And then at the end of that year, you can either relocate with the company. Now I had already relocated once from Chicago to Michigan. So I'm like, okay, clearly not doing that. Or you'll get a severance. So I still had that year that I was planning and a little payout. On yeah. The Wow. So here's, but okay. So then it got really bad. Like that was the good part. Then it got really <laughs> bad. <laughs> so I decide, and I was in my late twenties at the time. So I'm like, oh, okay. I have all this money. I have this new found passion, new career. Like I'm going out guns blazing. This is going to be amazing. Right. So I decide to move across the country to Portland, Oregon, 
I did get into the grad school that I applied to. So I was doing that at the same time. And within two years of all of that happening, I was evicted from my apartment. The home that I still owned in Michigan was foreclosed. I was living out of my office, a tiny one-room office, and really scraping up change. I mean, like, honestly, scraping up money change to eat from the dollar value menu. Had no money, was hundreds of thousands of dollars in debt, which ended up filing bankrupt. I ended up filing bankruptcy after that. So I had this, you know, oh, like glory in the beginning. And then a very quick departure from that glory to kind of the worst financial situation that I could have imagined. And that was in like 2008, 2009. So there's a housing crisis going on. There's a recession going on. I'm like brand new in this industry and also didn't really know what I was doing in terms of sales and marketing. So with all of that said, that crisis in my own life that I created became kind of like the phoenix rising from the ashes, if you will, Mm -hmm. of what I do now. Because now I am so passionate about looking to other people that have this dream, that have this hope, that have this idea of like, hey, you know, I think I could do this as a business. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, yes, you can. And let me help you because I don't want anyone to have to go down that same path that I did because it sucked. Well, how do you get to that dark, 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 no money place. Are you spending money like crazy or you just aren't having an income? You're at school. All the things. (laughs) I'll give you kind of maybe the top three. One, I had a really crappy money mindset at that time. My, I had grown up in the kind of Christian mentality and the messaging that I had gotten from that, from my community was it's more noble to be poor. You should give all your money away because like then you're being a good person. So I wanted to be a good person. So my money was going out and I wasn't like spending, you know, I'm not into, I guess, kind of typical women's things that they would spend on like handbags or shoes. I'm not, that's not my thing, Right. but I was giving so much away. I literally, the last thing that I kind of gave up was these kids that I sponsored. I had all these kids and I'm like, I can't even afford to eat. And I'm still sending the money to the kids in Africa that also probably can't eat, but like, I kind of need to fill the well first here, but I didn't get it. Like I did not get that mentality. So that was one money mindset. Two is just really not having the sense of how marketing and sales drive a business. You know, cash flow is the lifeblood of any business. And I looked at marketing as kind of this sleazy, slick thing. I'm like, I don't want to be that. I want to be authentic and open. And like, if you want to work with me, great. And if you don't, great. (laughs) Didn't want all these weird tactics. So I like threw all those things out the window, which I threw everything out, (laughs) you know, not that doesn't help. And I would say third was it was the people and not to blame these people by any means, because I was the one who put myself in this situation. But in that concept of when you're in the environment, you become Mm -hmm. the environment. Mm -hmm. The only people that were my world at that time were also broke ass grad school students. (laughs) So all of us were like, we're starving artists. Of course we don't have any money. And that was my world. So that kind of just 
replicated again and again, day after day. And so much so, I have this amazing story about the most expensive coffee I ever bought. I thought (laughs) that I was getting a refill on coffee was 50 cents. A friend of mine was like, I'll get that refill for you. And I was like, no, because I was too proud. I was like, of course I can handle 50 cents. Well, what that 50 cents did was spark overdraft after overdraft after overdraft after overdraft. So that one 50 cent cup of coffee ended up costing like $400 or something, which I did not have. Right. (laughs) It was, was, Ashley, it was a crazy, crazy time in life. And oh my gosh, like I said, if I can help anybody avoid that or even avoid like a little bit of that, I am here for it. So how do you build yourself back up? How do you start? Now you're like, okay, I realized my money mindset's not working. Now I'm going to shift and think this way or do you start reading? What do you do? How do you get there? Yeah. One of my husband, Sean and I called it a self-cleaning oven Mm. because we know that everything that happens is our own responsibility. It's like taking 100% responsibility for all of the things in your life. So that was the first thing. I couldn't blame, oh, but there's a recession going on or, oh, but, you know, my client, whatever. Like I could not blame anybody else other than this lady right here. Right. (laughs) So that's the first thing. 100% responsibility. I'm like, I need to own this and I also need to figure it out. So the second thing was in that self-cleaning process, I went to work. And I went to work internally and I went to work externally. The internal stuff was like, okay, I need to take a serious look at what the heck is going on in my brain about money. How do I Mm -hmm. think about money? How do I think about wealth? And as you know, from listening to my podcast, like that's, I'm still on that journey. I'm like talking to all kinds of people saying, how do you think about money? Because I always want to grow and develop. So I read books, I did courses, I looked at everything online. Like I am a learning junkie. So Mm -hmm. I really, really love processing through all this stuff. And I also upgraded. And again, this, this sounds negative and I don't mean it to be, but I upgraded my peer group. Mm -hmm. So instead of spending as much time with the fellow grad students who were also broke, now I love these people and there's nothing wrong with them, but I was like, this is not what I want for me. So I also then in 2000 end of 2009, 2010, I met a man who would become my husband and he was in a whole different game. Like he was like, look, making money is awesome. And I don't know what your problem is. So (laughs) funny. I'm like, oh, I better get on the program here because I like, clearly I've got some really, you know, messed up ideas about this. So meeting him and then just really looking at who else I want to purposefully put into my environment, that helped a lot too, because then I wasn't talking about people who couldn't even afford their coffee. It was like, you know, what's the next investment that we're going to do for our business, for our own development, for our personal growth, whatever it may be, whole different world. So I need to talk about Sean, your husband. I'm happy to. You met him on Facebook, right? (laughs) As silly as that sounds, he was... Back in the day, this was 2009. So remember there was Facebook friend suggestions? Yes. Gosh. Yeah, right? A long time ago. So he was a Facebook friend suggestion from another friend of mine who was helping me do some promotional stuff. And he was, Sean was just one 
of many, many people that this guy sent me, he's like, hey, all of these people are doing cool stuff in personal development, just like you. Maybe there's a connection. Didn't think anything of it, clicked all the buttons. Yay, we're all friends. Cool. It was actually six months later after that, that I was attending an event and the speaker who was on stage starts talking about his friend who happens to be three feet tall in a wheelchair, but living large, speaking on stage with the Dalai Lama, traveling the world, all of this stuff. And I'm listening to this and I thought, that's funny. I think I'm Facebook friends with the person that this guy's talking about. I should look him up. So it wasn't until then that I actually looked up Sean and actually, you know, paid attention to his profile and what he was up to. We were about the same age. We were both from Chicago originally. So I reached out. I thought for business, mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm like, hey, we're in the same industry. You know, if you ever want to grab coffee, Sean being Sean said, well, I would never say no to coffee and a cute girl. And I'm like, that is not what I meant. <laughs> oh, cute. Oh, love that. Yeah, he he was always a, a big, big flirt. And I was like, that's not what I meant. But maybe if I'm in the city again, you know, I'll look you up, whatever. So it was another six months till the end of 2009 at this point that I was back in Chicago visiting family for the holidays. And I, for whatever reason, even though I was a little bit like turned off at first, like I, this is not what I meant, buddy. <laughs> I did reach out. I mean, now I can look at it. Well, destiny. Okay. You know, bringing right. goals together. That's how it works. But for whatever reason, I reached out and we connected. It was just about new year's, but I was still living in Portland. You know, he was in Chicago. I was in Portland. So it fairly quickly developed really just as friends first. And he, we were truly best friends. And that of course developed into other things. But yeah, so by the end of 2010, I was actually back living in Chicago, which I swore I would never (laughs) move for a man or get married or any of these things. Clearly I didn't know what I was talking about, but um, yeah. And that was kind of the beginning of it all. Facebook. Oh, see, but, you know, when you talk about destiny or fate, you know, it's all, I always, I believe that. And I, when I, you hear your story, you know, Sean was this powerful speaker that, you know, was in a wheelchair and everyone, like you, you look at him now and I go back and it's just like, oh my gosh, he was so loved. He left his legacy, but I mean, people, he's passed away a year ago, right? Yeah. Just over um, a year. And to hear that story and we don't need to go too into it, but we got married and you started like kind of putting like your businesses together and working toward something as one, right? Uh, Not at first. And I'll tell you why, because it was a kind of interesting thing. I had all of my financial baggage (laughs) that I was bringing to the table in our marriage. So because I had had bankruptcy and just terrible credit at that time, all these terrible things, we didn't combine anything for years and years and years. I didn't want to like taint his, you know, credit Credit. report or whatever. I don't know how (laughs) that works, but I didn't want to mix all of that stuff together. So we did our own thing for really the majority. And there were some crossover. He would speak at my events or I would speak at his events. Of course, we would help each other promote our various programs. But other than that, we, we really kept it very, very separate until in 2017, he actually had a lot of challenges with a business partner that he was involved with. And it, it got pretty heated and pretty, pretty negative. And he ended up leaving that relationship. And at that time, he was like, okay, well, what do I do now? I'm kind of like 
at a loss for having a business. And I was like, why don't you just, why don't we just do this together? (laughs) By then we were doing a lot of the stuff together anyway. So it wasn't actually until a few years ago, 2017, that we did fully combine as one company, like one solid unit, and then uh, developed from there. So I, in a lot of ways, I felt like even last year when he passed away, I'm like, gosh, we were still just kind of getting started in building something that would be us, you know, not like the Sean show or the Mindy show. It was us collectively. So now I find myself in the position of, of trying to find that balance of Mm -hmm. definitely wanting to honor him and his, just who he was, as you said, I mean, he was larger than life and just a lunatic and (laughs) (laughs) such a great human who also, by the way, I will say was a real human. I mean, he had his days that he was no angel either. (laughs) (laughs) Neither of us were angels, but so wanting to honor him, but also saying, well, he's not here anymore. And what does this look like now? How do I want to move forward? So really the past year has been not only processing through the grief of that experience, but also thinking about what do I want this to look like in the future? Right. And I want to talk about that because after hearing the story and what happened and it was unexpected and it was an accident and how you dealt with it. And, you know, I think of listening to you and thinking, you know, you're both 40 years old to lose a partner at that age you know, to go through something at that time, you know, you're 10 years into your marriage and, you know, you're starting this collaboration with your businesses and you get this like jolt and you handle it in this way that I really want you to explain because it really shows people and gives them this light that I feel like you, you could have gone down one road, but you made a choice and you decided that you were going to go down the other road. And I really, that inspires me because I feel like people, when they hear your story and how you dealt with that will really help them. So could you share that part of how you handled that grief? And just a year, I mean, a little over a year ago, August. Yeah. Yeah. I love that you use the word choice because that's something that I firmly believe in. We all always have choice, no matter what life brings to our door. And life's going to bring some, I mean, this is 2020. <laughs> like, yeah, exactly. It has been a crazy <laughs> wild year. Right. We all have choice of how, are, how am I going to respond to this thing? And what I did was, and I, I feel like a lot of people may not have the same capability that I did. And for that, I feel so blessed to have had the opportunity to do this. And I'll explain what I mean by that. A lot of people may have children that if they lose a spouse, they still need to handle their kids. Mm -hmm. You know, they still need to care for their kids and, and deal with all of those things. Also, lots of people have, quote, regular jobs where they may get a short duration for a bereavement leave, but then they've got to be back at work and just doing their their thing. Well, because we did not have children and because I don't have a quote regular job, I am very, very blessed to have had the opportunity to quite literally leave what was our life. So we were living at the time in Scottsdale, Arizona. And I knew that I just wanted to be away 
And as I mentioned earlier, like I'm an introvert, I'm a very internal processor. So I did not want to be talking to a lot of people or having, even having a lot of people around. I kind of did the whole public thing for his celebration of life the first two weeks after he died. But then I'm like, okay, (laughs) I I have done that. And now I am off for my own grief. So I had the opportunity to move to a, my best friend had a second house in the desert of California that he was like, look, man, nobody's using this. Nobody's there. Just go. Just be there. Stay as long as you need. It was amazing. I mean, what an amazing gift. So I was like, okay, I'm going to do that. So I went, I was outside of the Palm Springs area living at this house and looking back at it now, honestly, what that experience was like was a lot of wandering around. (laughs) I I, I didn't know this before. I had never certainly experienced it before, but grief brain, that, that concept of grief brain, it is a real thing. Mm -hmm. And for somebody like myself, who is very reliant on my intellect and strategy and being rational and grounded and logical, all of these normal things, all of that went out the window. And I was like, you can't like, I don't even know what to say about that because I just wandered around. So I was there for two and a half months. And the, the clear thing that I remember was truly deciding I am going to allow and also encourage every bit of emotion that needs to come up and out to do so. I am not going to be in a position where I'm like stuffing that emotion back down or I can't process this yet. I you know, need to get through some things. I'm like, there is nothing else I need to do other than feel through this experience. And I credit that. And I also credit the previous work that I had done on mindset, on heart set for the ability to get through it. And, you know, I say get through it, but it is a getting through, right? Always something to get through. But those are the things having had that time away. And then the the previous work that I had done to, to fortify my own core, right? Those were the things that really made a difference. When you like, when you go through that and then you're like, okay, now I'm going to start, you know, I've been wandering around for two months. Now I've decided I'm going to make the choice to start living again. Do you just start, you know, working and what, how do you do that? How do you just start? Here I go. (laughs) Yeah. I love this question because nobody's ever asked me this before and it's very interesting. So I'm a bit of a crazy person as well. And I'll tell you how that showed up. Last year, as I typically do in November, I had my annual retreat already Mm -hmm. planned. So he died in August. We did a celebration of life in September. It was September. I basically moved out of our house in Scottsdale. So October was when I went to California and then for two and a half months. So I was like, okay, all these people have already paid the money to come to HeartPath. They're already planning. They've made their travel arrangements. Obviously, I would have the best excuse on the plan. I mean, everybody would have understood completely if I said, hey, we're not going to run it. But I decided to run it. (laughs) Looking back, I think that might have been a little bit nuts. But it actually was Hmm. amazing because it was 
so raw because I obviously I was very raw, but so many people that had been in our community and some of them were longtime clients of Sean specifically, they were there and we were just able to grieve in a collective way that was truly beautiful and heart opening and extraordinary. So I'm glad that I did it, even though looking back, I'm like, what was I thinking? (laughs) So I did that. And then I also have a, a monthly membership community that people, not one of them, not one of them asked for their money back or said, Hey, I'm out or I'm canceling or anything. They were kind of just like, Mindy, you let us know when you can come back to us essentially. And it was within a few months that I was like, these are my people, you know, I, I can't not be doing the things that I am here to do. Right. So it was part of my healing and part of my processing to be in community again and, you know, stay true to my purpose, stay true to my mission here. So that's really what developed it. So I just started slowly, you know, I do like, obviously I did that retreat, but then maybe, you know, one Zoom call with the group per month and then built it up over time. It's beautiful. It's it's a process. Right. You know, you talk a lot about your heart and I really want to talk about that because you wrote a book on heart consciousness. And you also talk about where I learned about how you describe heart. I would love for you to elaborate on for me. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I love this topic. So thank you again for asking. One of the reasons why I chose to study the heart in the way that I did was not because I find myself to be a very heart-centered person or a very heart-felt person or anything like that. I think that's the misnomer online. People are like, oh, Mindy teaches about the heart. She must be so heart-centered. I'm like, actually, no. (laughs) The The reason that I do is because I'm the one who needs it. Like I said earlier, I am very much focused on my intellect, on my being in my head, like figuring things out. And through the course of my life, where with these various tragedies that some may describe them as, you know, with the financial stuff, with Sean, with whatever, there is a way better way to run your life than doing it through your head. And I I feel like I've had to learn that the hard way in in many respects Mm -hmm. over the years. But I started with this heart thing as an intellectual pursuit. I wanted to say, okay, I get it that the saints and the sages have been talking about this stuff forever, you know, throughout history. But what if we could take modern technology and current day understanding and learn a little bit more about it? And that is what really has happened. There's this whole new science. It's not new. It was really started in the 70s. So it's been a while now, but Back in the 70s, people started talking about neurocardiology, and that is essentially the brain of the heart, if you will. And Ashley, I don't know about you, but when I was in school, we were taught the brain is it, like the brain runs the whole body through the nervous system. That's the end of the story. Except now we know that that's not true. The heart actually has this whole conglomeration of neurons, which used to be known as brain cells because they were, people thought they were just in the brain. Well, they're all over the body, but there's a big, big collection of them in the heart. So many that they actually call it the little brain in the heart. 
And the heart is able to process information, make decisions, if you will, send out communications to the brain and to the body. And beyond just the physiological aspects like that, which are many, when you get into learning this stuff, you can learn about how to lower blood pressure and drop stress hormones like cortisol. And I mean, all these good things for the body. But above and beyond that, there is this mental and emotional capacity to this heart work as well. Because like I said, it has allowed me to find a peace in the midst of what would be utter tragedy Mm -hmm. and also a guiding light forward. I, I have this, my retreat is called Heart Path because I think that it is truly a compass to guide you along the path in your life. And everything that comes into play is really all on purpose for your greatest development. It's amazing when you look at it like that, because it's like, oh, that happened and I learned this, or Mm -hmm. I grew in this way, or I developed in that way, or I met this person and that opened up new doors. This is always at play. And it's only when we stop and pay attention, get out of our like craziness of our own heads, drop into that more centered, more joyful, more compassionate heart space that we begin to see it with a different perspective. Right. That's when I call the magic, right? That's when you see the magic. And I feel like people, when they do, when they get that awareness, like you're talking about and know that, you know, that your intuition or that little voice in your head or that feeling in your heart that you just think, you know, you need to make that choice and you go for it and you, oh my gosh, I met him and I was supposed to do that. And, you know, all these little things that this is life, right? This is what we're here for. And to discover magic every day and to be in that awareness of in life and living on purpose with passion, you know, I mean, to have that, you can have that, you know, and when you choose that, that's when every minute could be magical. Exactly. I always go back to that quote that Einstein said, and I'm going to paraphrase it, but essentially he said, you can either see everything as a miracle or you can see nothing as a miracle. Yes. And it is to your point. It's, it's a choice. It's how do you want to see this? Right. And I always say that Wayne Dyer quote, you know, if you change the way you look at things, the things you look at will change. Yep. I love it. And it's so true. And you know, I'm a mother of two daughters and, you know, training their mind, little brains to think that way. Cause right now it could be, you know, they're 11 and 14 and everything could be like, you know, life, scatter, you know, all these things are happening, mom. And oh my gosh, the friend did that. And, you know, but gosh, change the way you look at it, you know, look at it as what gift in that did you learn? You know, and even like with Sean's death, the way you looked at that, you could have been down the victim. You could have forgot work. You could have been back to the bankrupt, you know, but you chose not to, and you chose to look at like, how can I carry this on? And be this Mindy who's supposed to be here on this path. And it's all for a reason. And, and Sean was here for those 10 years. And what are the gift, right? So many gifts. So many gifts. So I want to go talk about your heart path retreat because I know you're doing it online this yeah. next month or in a couple of weeks, right? It's in a couple of weeks, which yeah. is wild. <laughs> but now that you're doing it online and not in Sedona, like, are there modules? Give me like what the, if I was going to sign up for that, what would I learn and what would be the main thing of that course. Sure. Yeah. It's been an interesting experience about shifting it to virtual because the regular heart path was all about getting out and hiking and like being in mother nature and reconnecting. I'm like, well, 
can't do that. Oh, funny. <laughs> so, all right, what are we going to do? And what it actually has allowed for is to bring in some different teachings that I don't often spend as much time on at the regular heart path that I can now. For instance, one of the conversations is around boundaries. I love, love, love talking about boundaries and helping people figure out how to create stronger, more impactful boundaries. And there's a distinction between a boundary versus a barrier. You know, Mm -hmm. barriers that people put up around their hearts are like, I don't ever want to get hurt again. So I'm going to build the biggest, thickest wall. And then you can't get in. Oh, but I also can't get out. (laughs) You know, it's like not helpful thing, but we do it for our own protection or defense. But boundaries I see as this very healthy structure that you can create to really build out the freedom that you want in your life. The whole point of HeartPath is most specifically for those people that are like, what am I here to do? It's essentially my story. Because if you remember back when I was at Corporate America, I was feeling frustrated, unfulfilled, like I wasn't on my purpose. I had to do all the work to sort that out. So now I bring that to a context called heart path and say, this is how I did it. Here's how you can do it too. So it's all about getting clear on why you're here, what you're here to do. And then also learning how to source the courage to go out and do those things. Because it's one thing to get the idea, but it's very different to actually have the idea and then pursue it and implement all the things that need to happen. And whether that's becoming an entrepreneur or, or not, that doesn't matter to me. Some people at HeartPath have gone through one of the exercises and, you know, there was an older woman there one time and she was like, well, look, I'm already retired. You know, I'm not looking to build a business. I'm like, that's fine. What she learned there was she was like, I have let go of this passion that I have for gardening and I'm going to go home and re- like, restart my garden and redo that. I mean, which to me, I'm like, fantastic. That is beautiful. So yes, of course, it has a little bit of hint of, you know, entrepreneurialism and business just because that was my path, but it could be anything. It's really about just getting back to you, reintroducing someone to their own heart and saying, Hey, it doesn't have to be as hard as you're making it. Right. And I think what I've learned from you listening to you is what brings you joy? Like asking that question, like what brings you joy? Like that lady, she gardening brought her joy, right? So it's people look at, you know, trying to find their passion as this like hard thing, like, oh my gosh, what, but to really simplify learning to what, what's your purpose, you know, what you stand for. I always kind of like look at it that way. What do I stand for? What is my purpose? What is my passion? But really what brings you joy? That's Mm -hmm. all. You could take all those words out and just ask that one question, what brings you joy? Don't you believe that? I do believe that. And in my case, I like to throw in and also get paid for that joy. (laughs) That that was the piece that I was missing at first. I was like, oh, this coaching, I love it so much and all this stuff. This is amazing. But until I figure out how to get paid for that, then that really was where life started getting great. Right. I know you read a lot of books. You're a book reader. I'm a crazy reader. (laughs) Well, first of all, I was just listening to your podcast on the top three books that you love and you read those and then you give them a, you know, five star, three star. And it's good because you 
are so honest, you know, like that's, but you're such a good, you've read so many books, but I know that came from your mom reading to you. I love that because that was so important to me when I was raising my girls to instill reading and to know that it stuck, right? Yes. And what would be like, if you were going to tell the listeners today, you know, if I could give you that one book that really kind of changed my view on life or the way it helped me find, you know, something that triggered, you know, hit the light bulb off, you know, did something like that. What would it be? Is there one book that comes to mind? I'm going to give you two. Oh, good. (laughs) There's no way that I could narrow it down to one, but two that I highly recommend everybody should read them. The first is You Can Heal Your Life by Louise Hay. Mm -hmm. That was, that, that really challenged me because I am a natural skeptic and I'm like, show me the results. You know, don't just tell me all this woo woo, yah yah, blah. Like, give right. me, give me the detail. And that book has been very, very powerful in recognizing just how mindset really transforms or can transform the body and our outward situations. So definitely that one. She is a at a distance mentor of mine, or has always been. The other one I would say, and this one is specifically about money is there's something called the Millionaire Master Plan. Mm -hmm. Roger James Hamilton is the author. And what I love about it is, again, it's not the, yeah, yeah, just think positive and you're going to make up prosperous and abundant like that. Come on. Right. What was so brilliant about his book was he says, okay, here's all these levels. First off, you need to figure out what level you're at where are you? He calls it a lighthouse. So where, what level on the lighthouse are you? And also what type of person are you? So then based on the level and based on your type of person, he gives you the exact three steps of here's what you need to do Hmm. to get to the next level. And I just, I love that specificity Mm -hmm. detail and making it unique to based on a personality type. Oh, I love that. I've never heard of that book, but I live right. with that book. That Louise Hay book is usually here on my desk. I give it to somebody to borrow. But that reminds me because I use a lot of the Louise Hay, you know, her state, her I am statements in my life. And I've done that for years and help with the girls do, I help them with that too. But what do you do? Do you have certain rituals in the morning that you do? Are you that kind of a person? Do you get up early? I am the opposite of that kind of a person. You are? Oh, funny. (laughs) I am a night owl. And I actually just have been on this kind of rant on social media about like, you do not need to get up early to be successful. You don't. And there's a book that proves it, a great book called Why We Sleep. He scientifically shows that we all do have different rhythms. And yes, we have a 24-hour circadian rhythm, but that's not always at the same time. So it's not about getting up at 5 a.m. My morning ritual is to ease into the day. That's about the extent of it. I'll have mm-hmm. my coffee. Mm-hmm. I usually may read something. That's about it. But you don't on. need anything to set you up. You don't have like that gratitude, you know, like the grateful part or the, you write in a journal. You don't do any of that. You just ease in. I just ease in. Huh. I do some of that stuff later in the day, like when I'm more awake. I'll do some of that stuff at night, but waking up, I ease into the day and really the the setup is my sleep. I am so passionate about getting plenty of sleep. I usually sleep about eight to nine hours. Nice. Yeah. It's amazing. 
It's healed crazy migraines for me. I mean, it's done wonders for my life. Just sleep. So that truly is my setup for a great day. Oh, see that. And that's opposite of me. I'm like four o'clock. I'm so tired. Like I get up, I run, I do my, all that stuff, but I'm just a morning person. I'm, I, I'm way asleep by the time you probably just get going. Like that's, <laughs> yeah, I'm probably waking up at that time. <laughs> yeah. But it's true. I'm so, so opposite of that. But I just, it's interesting, you know, when you think of somebody that has, you know, all what you do and make a difference and have all these different little programs and people that you've made an impact on and, just even the whole idea of around how you were married to Sean and all the gifts that you two together brought to the world and that you can continue doing and bringing his legacy to the next level. And I know you feel him all the time and I'm sure he brings signs to you that he's around, right? He does. He does. Yeah, really. I mean, weird, weird stuff happens all the time. <laughs> oh, I love that. I love that so much. Before we end, because we are at the end, what would be like one Mindy little tip that we could take away from today that you would think would be important? Could be anything. Yeah, well, I'll, I'll kind of just segue right from that sleep conversation. My tip would be to trust yourself. There are going to be people out there and leaders, successful people, people that you follow on social media that will say, this is how you do it. And if any of that does not resonate with you, trust yourself because that's how it works for them. I want to be so specific about like, they're not lying. You know, they're not making it up. That has worked for them and they want to share it. But to state it in a prescriptive way, like you must get up at 5 a.m. every day to be successful. Well, when I tried that, it was miserable. (laughs) It was terrible. So I have learned over many, many decades (laughs) to trust myself and put it through the filter of like, is that true for me? And in terms of waking up early, no, it's not. Right. And that doesn't mean it's false. It just means it's not what works for me. So that is my key thing is like, the more we can all learn to trust ourselves and our uniqueness and our individuality, that's when life gets really fun. Yes, that's when the magic happens, right? (laughs) Oh, Mindy, it's been so fun. I love it. Me too. Thank you. Thank you so much. Tell, where can we find you? On Instagram, Facebook, your website, your podcast. (laughs) All the things. All the things. I'm mostly online these days on Instagram. I've kind of gotten away from Facebook a bit. I'm sort of leaving that that world. Mm -hmm. I know they're really the same company, but Instagram, I'm at Mindy Kniss. And then everything else is at lucra.com. That is my website. And there's links to the podcast to my programs to everything else on there. Thank you. Ashley, thank you. And I still think you're an angel. (laughs) (laughs) You'll have to get to know me a little bit more and then I'll (laughs) ask you again. (laughs) Thank you so much, Mindy. It's been such a pleasure. I appreciate you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Uncover Your Magic podcast today. If you are inspired by what you heard today, please share it with a friend. And if you haven't already, please subscribe, rate, and review this show on your favorite podcast player. If you would like to connect with me with any questions, comments, or feedback, please contact me at the Uncover Your Magic website. Thank you so much for listening. And don't forget, always look for the magic.